Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to the clinic, uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Thank you for being here with us. As always, it's a pleasure to be here in the clinic where we talk about spiritual health, mental health, and physical health. Um, it's all tied in together, as we know, and, and we know that uh, when one fails, the other ones are soon to follow, and when one's strong, they can, it can bring up the rest of them. If you've been following our show lately, you know that we've been talking about a few things about being battle ready, about being mission ready, object, uh, meeting our objective. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to continue today with meeting our objective uh, in terms of being able to choose Christ and being ready to be with Christ. But let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, welcome to the show again. Thank you for being with us. Always a pleasure to have you here in the clinic. Um, a lot of things have come up, and the reason that we're talking about um, about being battle-ready and mission-ready is because in, the, in our current climate, there seems to be a whole lot of anxiety. A whole lot of people I'm speaking with, family, friends, who really are feeling uneasy, there's a lot going on in our lives, and soon there's going to be an election coming up, and people are saying, I don't know what to do. It's causing me a whole lot of anxiety to think about making a choice, think about voting for somebody, and really, more than anything else, even just listening to what's going on in, in the news and, and, and all the media and all the battles that are going on there, there's no doubt that, that it can get contentious, and it can feel like a battle. You know, in the, the last couple of shows, the first show, we talked a little bit about our mission and what that means, and if we have a mission... That means that we better understand what's going to happen in that mission, better understand what we need to do for that mission, and so we better train for that mission. And so in, in our last show, we talked about how do we train? What is it that we do? What, what do we need to understand in terms of how do we carry out this mission to meet our objective? <clears throat> and really, if our, if our mission is to uh, be with Christ and our objective is to make it to heaven, um, and by being with Christ, really becoming Christ, uh, how do we train for that? What, what do we do? How, how do we even start to, to train and to become like Christ? Well, we have to remember that if we're going to meet this objective of making it to heaven, of being one with God and being one with Christ, we better know how to become that. Because I can tell you, boy, I, you know, I'm, I'm far from there if, if I think about it on my own. If I try to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train and I'm going to do this on my own and I'm going to become Christ and then I'm going to present myself to Christ, that's really not how it works. Ultimately, God tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches. A branch cannot become a vine on its own. A, a branch is 100% dependent on the vine. So without the vine, the, the branch is nothing. It's going to wither and die. Part of our training is is recognizing that. Part of our training is being able to realize that I can't do this on my own. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of, of realizing that it doesn't mean that I'm not important. I exist. We exist because God decided that we were important. We were not always here. God put a, could have put us anywhere on this planet. God could have said, you know what? You're going to exist in, in this country. You're going to exist 
on this other continent. You're going to exist on this island. Whatever God's choice was for putting us where we are, God already said, hey, I think you're important enough for you to exist and for you to carry out a mission for me. So part of our, our humbling ourselves is recognizing that and recognizing it the way that Christ did. So turning to Christ as the example is the first choice. I can't do this on my own. I need, I need Christ. I need to do this. And Christ knew that. Christ isn't going to say, ha, you know, I knew you couldn't do it without me. Christ is telling us, hey, this is the way it works. You know, when you're training, what you got to train to do is first and foremost, recognize that you're going to need me the whole way, the whole way through. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's, it's a wonderful thing because a lot of times when we're going through this, when we're going through our, our mission and making decisions in the midst of social anxiety, it can feel like a really, really lonely place. So where do we start our training? I think the first place to start our training would be to go meet Christ. If Christ is telling us that he is the vine and that he's getting all his nutrients from, from the earth, which is his father, um, then in that case, I'd, I'd better go start where I am going to be connected. Where, where do I find that? There's lots of churches out there and there's lots of tabernacles with the consecrated body and blood of Christ. And that would be our number one place to go. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, you know, a lot of places are closed off now. I can't make it there. You know, even if you can drive to the parking lot, even if you can um, go near the church, if you feel like all the churches are closed off, there's still consecrated uh, bread and wine there. There's still, there's still, uh, priests still have an obligation to say, even if it is a private mass for themselves. So making that effort, this is where we train our hearts. This is where we train our minds. And we start to recognize that. Christ is still there, even if it seems like he's not, even if it seems like we can't reach him, we can get there and we can make what we call a spiritual communion. So a lot of people say, well, what's a spiritual communion? A spiritual communion is when, even if I cannot receive Christ in the Eucharist, I can close my eyes. I can turn my mind, my heart, my whole being to Christ and say, Christ, I'm going to pretend like I just received you right now and I'm going to receive you spiritually and I'm going to become one with you spiritually even if I cannot receive you in the most precious body and the most precious blood that you left us in the Eucharist, I still recognize that this is the key to my faith, that I truly believe that you left the Eucharist here, the sacrament of the Eucharist for us to be united. And every time you said that we're supposed to remember you, every time we celebrate the sacrifice. So in a way, I'm going to make a double sacrifice. I'm going to make the sacrifice of believing that we are going to be united spiritually of understanding that faithfully. And I'm going to put my faith in the fact that even if I cannot receive you physically, you are still going to be united with me spiritually. This, this is a big deal because ultimately we're saying there's no limits. It's no different than when the centurion came up to Christ and said, you know, please heal my daughter. And Jesus said, okay, let's go. And he said, no, no, please. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't deserve to have you in my home. I know that if you say it, it will happen. And in the same way, we can say, Christ, I can't receive you physically, but I know that if we focus on this, if I focus on you and I being one, then this will happen. This is the biggest part of our training because we need to be spiritually, mentally, and physically united to Christ. And even if I can't unite with him physically right away, I have to have faith that Christ will still unite to me wholly, physically, and ment uh, excuse me, spiritually and mentally, even if I don't have the physical presence. This is where Christ says, I have not seen faith like this. Can we rise to that occasion? Can we hope to, that our faith will be that strong? 
I think in these times, it's very important to, to realize that that is an option. It's not like, you know, if I don't do that, or if I, if I, if I uh, can't receive the Eucharist, then I'm done. Then, you know what, I don't have to worry about mass anymore. You know, the bishop said it was okay. The masses are closed. Yes, we have a dispensation in that respect that it's not under penalty, but we still have the obligation to unite ourselves to Christ every day. That obligation has not gone away. So that's part of our training. I would say that that's the first part of our training, recognizing that I have to be unite myself to Christ no matter what, no matter where I am. So that's really important. As I'm going down, going traversing my journey on this earth, I need to know that I'm not alone because this is what's going to happen. We're going to see this down the road. Really, what are we training for in terms of our mental battle? We're going to see some challenges that come up. What else are we training? Or what else do we need to know about our training? Well, whenever we train, we need to know what our weapons are. It's really important to understand, well, if I'm going to go down a mission and we say weapons, we could say tools, we can say, what am I going to need on, on a mission? If I tell somebody, somebody tells me that, you know, they're going to go uh, fishing on, on a lake somewhere. Well, I'm going to ask them, well, do you have a boat? Do you have a fishing rod? Do you have bait? Do you have hooks? These are all the tools you're going to need. And he's, and this person can say, oh, I'm going to go catch the fish with my hands. You're going to say, well, I don't know how logical that is. I don't know that that's, that that's going to happen. Do you have a method? Have you done this before? And they say, no, I, I just think I'm going to be able to do that. I think we're going to need to have some reasonable ideas as to well, what tools are you going to need along the way? Because you're going to encounter a lot of different things. And he can say, well, okay, fine. You know, I'll take my, my fishing boat and I'll take a, a fishing rod and uh, maybe a hook and may, maybe some uh, a bait. Okay, fine. Then I'm ready to go fishing. Well, okay, that's part of it. But what's the environment like? Are you going to need boots to get there? Are you going to be able to walk barefoot? Is it a rocky ground? You know, what's the weather going to be like? Are you ready for, you know, cold weather, really icy, or is it going to be hot? We had to be prepared for a whole lot of different things that we might not think about clearly, that we might not even know might be coming as we're trying to fulfill our mission. Our mission isn't to go fishing necessarily for fish, but if Christ said that he's going to make his disciples fishers of men, I think, why did he choose fishermen? I think he understood that fishermen, in a way, knew about these things. One, they had to be aware of their physical environment. They had to knew what, know what the weather was. They had to know how to get onto the lake. They had to know what the water was like. But I think more importantly, they had to be aware that they were looking for something that could not be seen to the naked eye, that they had to have an element of faith when they threw their nets into the water to know that there were fish down there or to get a feeling of where the fish were. In the same way, part of our training is there's going to be things that we can't see. There's going to be things that on our way to heaven, we're not going to be able to see with our naked eye, but we're going to have to have an instinct for. We're going to have to understand. And this is the big, biggest part of the training. This is where our tools like the rosary comes in. You know, we think of the rosary and a lot of people say, oh, Father, you know, uh, Dr. Sandoval, that's, that's like for old ladies. They're the ones who go to the church and pray. And, um, you know, I, I don't know about that. And I don't even understand how to do it. But if our objective is to make it to heaven, we better know what tools we have. The rosary is a wonderful tool. It's a great weapon. We're going to talk more about that when we come back as we continue our talk about training to meet our objective, our objective in Christ. More when we come back from the commercial break.
This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the clinic and the Dr. Sandoval Show. Thank you for being here with us, where we continue to talk about our spiritual health, our mental health, our physical health. And today we're talking about training to meet our objective to make it to heaven in the midst of a chaotic world. How do we do that? We've been talking about what are our tools, and as we left the show last time before the break, we were talking about the rosary and, and why that's such an important tool. You know, there's a lot of things that we can discuss in terms of prayers and different types of prayers, but the rosary is a very, very special tool uh, for us Catholics. If we look at what the rosary really is, it's a meditation on the life of Christ. It starts when we start the joyful mysteries with the first mystery, the Annunciation, when the angel came to Our Lady and said, you know, you're going to have a baby and you're going to name him Jesus and he is going to be the Redeemer of the world. This is important. We start meditating on the fact that God loved us so much that he decided to go across space and time and defy what we consider to be scientific. And of course, God is the author of all science, so he can do whatever, anything he wants. There's nothing that he can't accomplish. But if we start to think about that, you know, we're always thinking about time travel and is that possible? And we look at different things. When we look at the life of Christ, when we start to see what the rosary really is, we start to understand that it starts with God going from being all spiritual and all eternal to defying time and space and coming into the realm of time and being incarnate. Now, gosh, if, if God loves us that much and he's, he's able to do that and he's willing to do that for us, there must be something really important going on. And there must be a way that he's showing us already that he does want to unite with us. I talked about making sure that we focus on the Eucharist. Well, as we, as we look at the rosary, we're meditating on the life of Christ. We're meditating from the moment of the Annunciation. And it ends with the triumph of Christ, with the triumph of the resurrection, all the way to the coronation of Our Lady, who, when she said yes at the beginning, got the reward of being, uh, being crowned Queen of Heaven and Earth. You know, when we look at this meditation, we look at the birth of Christ, we look at um, the sorrowful mysteries, everything Christ did to sacrifice for us, this tool reminds us of where our battle really is, what, where our mission lies. Regardless of what's going on in the world, this is really what it comes down to. If we're going to unite ourselves with Christ, present ourselves and meet our objective of making it to heaven, then we have to understand that we're going to have a mission just like Christ did. One of the important things that when we look at the mission of Christ is that he emptied himself. He didn't worry about himself. He worried about his father's will. Even as he's sitting there, and if we look at the first mystery of the sorrowful uh, mysteries, you know, it's the agony in the garden. It's when Christ was saying, I'd rather have this pass me by than have to go through this. But he understood his mission. When we meditate on this, when we unite ourselves with Christ in prayer through the mysteries of the rosary, then we understand our battle. This is why the rosary is so powerful, because it reminds us of the mission the battle, and the victory of Christ. 
that's what we're uniting ourselves to at the end of the day. This is why this tool is so powerful. This is why when you look at it in history and when different saints, saints have spoken about the rosary and when you look at different books on the rosary and the miracles of the rosary, you read St. Louis de Montfort and he unites himself to the passion of our, of, of our Lord through the rosary. It's, it's such a powerful weapon that it can defy a whole lot of things. If we look back at the apparitions of Fatima, why is the rosary even mentioned there? Our Lady told some of the or the, the uh, visionaries that there's nothing that the, no problem in the world that can't be solved by praying the rosary. How powerful is that? If you have any problems and you can pray the rosary with faith, you're going to solve everything. You're going to drive away anything dark in your life. You're going to drive away anything that's keeping you from fulfilling your mission in Christ. And you're going to drive away more than anything else all those mental demons, all those all those mental beliefs, all those things that keep us from being with Christ because we either think that we're not good enough, we start to believe that Christ doesn't love us, we start to believe that God has forgotten us and we're not lovable. These are important things to remember um, when we're thinking about going through our mission, what tools we're going to use, because it, might, it will be a battle. There's no question about that. Let's talk about that a little bit, though, because if we know what our tools are, if we know that the rosary is one of our biggest tools and one of the the, the strongest weapons that we have, if we unite ourselves to Christ in the Eucharist and the sacraments, we cannot deny the fact that we have to go to confession because why? We have to admit that we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to, we're not going to be perfect going through this mission. Even St. Paul tells us that he has weaknesses that he can't get rid of. He has his thorn in his side, right? But really at the end of the day, is that what he focuses on? It reminds me of uh, one of the, the best times I ever had, one of the, the most fulfilling uh, uh, clinics I ever worked at was in the VA. And I remember helping out some of our veterans who I have great respect for and really hearing their stories of, of what they did now, you know, in terms of their sense of, of mission for a country, you know, for our country, he, they, they had the sense that there's something greater than themselves that they needed to push forward and they needed to be able to um, accomplish a certain mission, not because they were going to gain glory, but because they knew that they were going to make the country better. They knew that they were going to keep us at peace. It was uh, interesting when I heard one of them, you know, he happened to be a World War II veteran, so he was a much older gentleman. And he said, you know, going out there, it wasn't about us. It was about making sure that we were safe here in the country, that his family was safe, that his wife was safe, that his children were going to be safe. He knew that by him taking action somewhere else, it was going to prevent the war from even coming to the house. And that was really important to them. And I asked him, well, how did you move on? Or what did you see there? Or, or what are the things that you remember the most of, of being on your, on your mission? And he said, you know, a lot of it was uh, really looking beyond what was happening. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, when you're on a mission like that, there's going to be a lot of things. And it reminded me of, you know, some, somebody going off fishing or going off into the mountains or something. He said, Part of it is that, yeah, you're going to uh, encounter other militias, other, other uh, countries that want to fight against you. He said, but you got to remember, you're in a foreign country where I wasn't used to the climate. It could get really cold. It could get really wet and rainy. And that's not something that we're, we're accustomed to here every day. You know, you're walking through places and you end up getting cut and you don't even realize it because you moved your arm on a branch the wrong way or you fell and you tripped or your buddy's uh, knapsack got too heavy. You know, he said, one, we had to be there for each other. He said, but two, we had to realize that even if I got hurt, there was a mission that was greater than myself that I had to keep moving forward. 
Yes, I was going to have these weaknesses. Yes, I had this scar. But we would always just say, throw some dirt on it and move on. So just patch it up. You're going to live with it. It's not like you're not going to be in pain, but it's going to heal over time. And guess what? You can't focus on that. You can't just have your mind on the fact that you've got this little cut because if you just get focused on that, if you get focused on your own uh, ailment, on your own stresses, on your own anxieties, on your own depressions, which are very real and are important and need to be taken care of. However, don't let those make you lose sight of the mission at hand. You can't say, well, I've got this cut on my leg and now the mission's done. I'm, I'm just going to stay here. He said, part of what we learned out there was that you had to move on regardless of what was happening to you personally. You had to keep walking and you had to throw some dirt on those, on those cuts and you had to move on with the mission. And it's like that for us every day. You know, we see people, I think it's important. Obviously I, I treat people's anxieties and depressions and, and hallucinations and any other symptom that they're going through. This treatment needs to happen. These are important things. If we're going through that, if we're going through a depression, if I'm feeling depressed or anxious, I have to address the issue at hand, but why do we address the issue at hand? We address it so that we can move on and really moving on means moving on to fulfill my mission in God's eyes. I can't just stay stagnant. I think this really translates in a lot of different ways. Right now, there's so much anxiety in society and so many things about, gosh, you know, all this political upheaval and I'm worried about our physical health because there's illnesses out there and, and you know, we have a lot of unknown. I think these are part of those ailments where in a way we might just have to throw some dirt on it as we go on and continue our mission. Our mission to God is always greater than anything that's going to happen around us. Yes, these stresses are real. There's no question about that. We can't deny that this is happening and we can't deny that, it, that it doesn't feel good. It's going to hurt. You know, it's going to hurt in different ways. It's going to hurt emotionally when all of a sudden say family members don't want to be associated with us because they've drawn a line on political parties, um, or, you know, friends no longer want to come around because they're afraid uh, of, of getting sick or, or things along those lines. And it's okay. We need to, and, and it's okay that it's going to hurt. You know, that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to feel good. What I mean by it's okay is that this, these are things that are expected. These are things that are going to happen when we're moving through a world that's not perfect. The hard part is not losing sight of the fact that our mission is greater than all this. Our mission is still to keep our focus on God and to offer to God whatever sacrifice is happening, whatever ailment is happening, whatever doesn't feel good. These are where the tools come in. This is where we need to pray the rosary. This is where we need to meditate on the life of Christ. This is where we need to read scripture passages and meditate on them. If you've never done Lexio Divina, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. You read a passage of the Bible and you just kind of see what it says and you read it for what it is. Then you stop and think about it and ask yourself, well, what does this mean in my life? How do I apply this to my life? And then we pray about it and we say, God, please let me understand what it is you want me to do with this passage. Please help me understand what it is you want me to do with this message, with this word that you're sending me and put it in my heart. And then we act on it. These are very powerful tools that we forget we can do because in the world, we're so used to immediate gratification. These, tool, these tools are going to help us to remind us to be on God's time. You know, miracles will happen when we come, what we call miracles to God. He says, that's just normal. You just don't expect it. You know, when, when people go to different apparition sites, why is that? Because through our faith, these miracles are going to happen. Our faith is going to grow when we pray our rosary. Our faith is going to grow when we unite ourselves to Christ in the sacraments. 
when all this happens, we're going to start to find inner peace and we're going to have the strength to move through the trials that are going to come during our mission. Right now, part of the part of our trials, part of what's happening is that we are going to be faced with moments of stress. We are going to be faced with moments where we're not always going to be looked upon um, um, with, you know, loving eyes by our peers or our friends or people who we thought were our friends because all of a sudden people are going to start making decisions or making up their own minds about things. We have to stay consistent with Christ, consistent with God, consistent in our Catholic faith. This is where we are going to achieve mental peace. Just like the guys at the VA, you know, part of it was there was a whole lot of conflict and they would tell me, you know, it's not fun being at war, of course. You see things that you don't want to see, but how do you heal from that? Well, I'm working at the VA. I'm working and helping them heal mentally. And as we're talking about that, we would talk about, well, what was your purpose? What was your mission? What was your objective? And they said, you know, it's, it's the irony of war. The objective is peace. If you want peace, prepare for war. You know, this is, this is what, what it comes down to. And they said, so I, ironically, if you want peace, if you want to be at peace for yourself, be aware that there is going to be a war. Know how to navigate the war in order to bring that peace for yourself. In the same way, right now we're looking at a social unrest. I wouldn't focus on that war as much as a spiritual war that we're going to, that we endure every day. There's a spiritual war that where all of a sudden there's forces that want to make us uneasy. And the way they do that is by trying to make us each other's enemy. And really we're not each other's enemy. So this is really where our mental preparation, our psychiatric preparation, our psycho psychological preparation comes in. We have to be ready mentally to face the war at hand. We're going to talk about more about our psychological and uh, psychiatric spiritual health when we come back. on apologetics you have entered into virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo where we go wall to wall with defending explaining sharing the faith master apologist carlo brusara carlo welcome to hands-on apologetics hey gary it's great to be back in the dojo my friend master apologist ken hensley welcome to hands-on apologetics good to see you again gary good to be with you michael barber welcome you have entered into the virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo Gary, thanks for having me on. We are chatting with Master Apologist Carl Keating. Gary, it's great to be back with you. Coming into the dojo is our good friend Steve Ray. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here. Tim Staples, welcome to Hands-On Apologetics. Hey, it's great to be with you, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Join many others in Gary Machuda's Apologetics Dojo. We have some of the best Catholic apologists in the nation. Streaming live weekdays from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Hands-on apologetics on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR. 
and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to our talk today on being battle-ready and mental preparedness. As always, I want to thank you for being uh, listeners. I always want to uh, give a shout-out to all of you who are out there because really this is what, what makes it all worthwhile. I like working here because um, ultimately we're able to spread the message of Christ and, and our common shared faith, and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day, and that's, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about as we're making choices through life, as we're feeling anxious over uh, current unrest or, or people making decisions one way or another. At the end of the day, we have to meet our objective, and our objective is to choose Christ. So one of the things that we were talking about was how do we become battle ready to meet that mission, regardless of what's going on around us socially. And one of the things is definitely knowing what tools we have. Knowing what tools we have because there's going to be different uh, things that come up. I was talking a little bit about uh, working at the VA and working with soldiers who trained to go out to war, you know, in different countries, physical war. One of the things that was important to them was being ready to adapt to situations. And that's really, really important. The idea of adapting to situations. They always said, you know, you think you know what's going to happen, but once you get there, one, you're only going to perform uh, in the in the middle of, of in the thick of it when it's really happening. You're only going to perform as well as you trained. You know, if if you're kind of slacking off in training and you're not um, doing what you're supposed to do, whether it be your physical training or going to the range and being sure, you're, making sure you're accurate with your weapon, or really putting yourself in the mindset of different uh, environments. Once you get there, it's not going to happen automatically. The way humans are built, the way we work, we have to practice at things. We have to train for things. And once once we're in the thick of it, if we didn't train, everything else goes out the window. You know, you're only going to perform as well as you did in practice. It's kind of like I remember, you know, playing sports and realizing you're only going to, if you can't do it in practice, you're probably not going to be do it, be able to do it in the game. And that's really what it comes down to for us. You know, as we're training, are we practicing? Are we adapting to different situations? You know, one of the things is, have we ever thought about a situation where we weren't going to be able to go to mass or where we weren't going to have churches ready to us? We hear about that. We hear about that in other countries. We hear about that uh, back when, you know, Russia was communist and they shut down all the churches and there's still a lot of countries that have the residual effect of that. I remember traveling in Eastern Europe and a lot of the churches were shut down. They weren't having masses and the people were just used to that because that's what uh, the, the government and the politics had done. We find ourselves in a similar situation, you know, where our churches are shut down for different reasons and all of a sudden we can't go. The question is, can we adapt to those situations? Do we know what all, all of the other tools that we have? Are we able to use our scriptures? Are we able to pray our rosary? It's important to know that because ultimately it comes down to that mental battle. Am I going to have faith that even if things around me seem to be shutting down, God is still with me and I can still connect to God? 
we have to be ready to prepare our minds for that. That's our spiritual psychiatry. That's our spiritual psychology that we have to understand that even if things appear um, before us in a certain way, that might not necessarily be the truth. The truth is God is still still working. God is still in front of us. Let's look at a few situations where this is going to be very, very important because when you're, when you're in the midst of the battle, things are going to change. It's going to be an emotional battle. Are you battle-ready mentally for what's going to happen? Are you battle-ready emotionally? One of the passages that I always think about in the Bible uh, is in the book of Acts, chapter 14. If you look at verse 19, this is a moment where St. Paul uh, is preaching and he's with Barnabas and, and they're out preaching and they're spreading the word of God. But of course, this is causing a lot of controversy with the powers that be, with the religions that be, with the ideas that be. And St. Paul knows that his mission uh, is still to, to preach the word of God. The mission is greater than whatever ailments he's going to have. If you look at that passage, if you look at chapter 14, verse 19 of the book of Acts, this is a moment where St. Paul is preaching and he is being stoned for preaching, literally stoned, and he's being beat up. And he was left for dead is what they said. They dragged him out of the city and they thought he was dead. What kind of a physical position could he have been in? And what was his mind going through as he's doing this? Because quite frankly, I don't know that I could do that. I have to train to do that. I have to be trained to be ready to do that. But would I be able to all of a sudden face with death because they thought that he was dead? I can only imagine he's being stoned. He's bloodied. He's got some broken bones. It's not going to feel good. He's beyond bruised and beaten. He's probably bleeding everywhere. And it sounds like he's not conscious, you know, and he's probably barely breathing. If, if they thought he was dead, they thought this is a limp body that looks like it's done. And we're just going to drag it out of the city and our problem's done. Are we ready for that kind of battle? Yes, this is a physical battle, but mentally, what was he going through? If I'm faced with being beat up like that, am I ready to stay and take those stones and realize I might have to die for Christ the way Christ died for me? It's a very similar situation, isn't it? When Christ is preaching the truth and he is actually killed, he wasn't left for dead, he, he, he did die. Christ was crucified for us because he was preaching about the kingdom of God. St. Paul carries on that battle. And we see that in many ways. Now, we might not be physically assaulted at this point, or we might be, but we have to understand that even if we're not physically assaulted, sometimes you have to be mentally ready to experience the same thing. You know, if sometimes if you stand up for your rights, you're going to be left for dead in different ways. Some people have experienced being uh, let go of certain positions that, they're, that they've been in, or some people have experienced um, losing friends. You're left for dead. That, that's the death of a friendship. That's the death of a relationship. Some people experience, um, because they are spreading the truth, that their own uh, uh, friends, their own pastors, their own uh, bishops, their own whoever it is that they feel is supposed to uh, back them up and be a support for them, they're not there for them anymore. Are we ready to do that? Because regardless, again, of what's going on socially and politically and around us, at the end of the day, the mission is still to follow Christ. And we might have to be faced in a situation where because of the local politics, because of the local social situation, people aren't going to like what you have to say, and they're going to stone you in different ways. You know, being ignored is one of them. Sometimes something as simple as people who are supposed to support you or uh, help you out in life, be it at work or be it friends, they start to ignore you. Are you ready to be ignored by people who you thought were your friends? Are you ready to realize that some people are going to turn their backs on you? If we remember Christ, what happened to him? You know, you strike the shepherd and the sheep will run. And so Christ was struck and the sheep ran. 
that, you know, everybody, all his friends, his apostles, everybody ran away. He was alone on his way to being crucified, save for St. John and Mary. His mother, of course, was always at his side. Our Lady was, was always there. And that's a reminder to us as well. What I would say is, don't be surprised when this happens. It's to be expected. St. Paul was probably out there by himself wondering, is this worth it at a certain point? But what does he do? As soon as he regains his energy, he gets back up and he goes right back to the job. He goes right back to the mission because the mission is still the mission. It's not done. It reminds me of the soldiers of war. You know, they got up, they took some hits, they took some bullets and they would go get patched up and they would go right back into the situation. This is a very, very difficult uh, mentality to have. Do we understand that the mission is that strong? Is our love for Christ that strong that if we're willing to speak about Christ and be with Christ and say that we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to start taking hits, are we going to be ready to do that? Probably not always, but you know, it, it, it's, it's not, it's human nature. It's, it's understood. It's, it's uh, people, nobody's going to fault you for being scared or for wanting to run away. At the same time, are we going to continue the mission where we're going to unite to Christ, where we're going to pray our rosary, where we're going to uh, receive the Eucharist as much as possible, receive the sacraments, so that when those situations do come up, we become stronger and it's not so scary. And we realize that this is what's going to happen, but we realize the mission at hand and we realize that being with God, being with Christ is going to be much stronger than whatever comes our way, whatever darkness comes our way. That's really what it comes down to. This is where the training comes in because it's not going to be easy if we're training for something, understand that there is going to be, shall we say, a competition. There is going to be a time where your skills are going to be tried. My skills are going to be tried. And I wonder how strong are my skills? Am I, have I trained enough to be united with Christ where I say, you know, God, I put, I put it in your hands, your will, not mine. I'm going to do what I can. And I'm going to have a hundred percent faith that you are the one who's supporting me. You are the one who is guiding me and that you are the one who's strengthening me. Am I ready to do that? Ultimately, you know, it comes to light right now because if we're being asked to make choices, if we're being asked to um, look at things in society and, and there's a line drawn and our faith is involved, then we're gonna, we have to make a choice. And that's very obvious. But I think it's more important when we have to look at this and we have to meet our objective to be like Christ, more so when nobody's looking, more so in times when we think we're at peace and in times when we think, nobody's around and, and it's not going to have too much of an effect in our lives. That's where it really counts. That's where it really matters. You know, it reminds me of when Christ was at church with his uh, apostles and he's looking around he said, you know who gave the most? He said, that lady over there, that old lady, the widow's pence, she gave from what she doesn't even have. Now it makes me wonder who even noticed her if Christ didn't notice her? Had anybody even paid attention to her? Would anybody have thought that she was important? Would anybody have thought that her contribution meant anything? Because my guess is that she gave very little, you know, in the eyes of everybody else, financially speaking, monetarily speaking, she didn't give a whole lot and it probably wasn't going to make a whole lot of difference to the physical, uh, the, the physical well-being of, of the church. You know, it wasn't make, it's going to, it was giving pennies. What, what can I possibly do with these pennies? It didn't matter to Christ. This is where it's important to, to read these passages and see it from the eyes of Christ, because even if it, the, her contribution wasn't going to make a whole lot of difference in terms of buying anything that would embellish the building, what he was looking at was her heart. And sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like nobody notices us. We're all alone. You know, we, what, what could I possibly do? What could I possibly contribute? 
what is it that, you know, I, I'm just giving pennies here. I'm not worth much. It's important to read this passage because Christ and God are looking at you more than they're looking at everybody else. And they're saying, you're actually the one who's bringing up the kingdom. Because if you feel like you don't have much and yet you're still giving and yet you're still carrying on the mission and yet you're still praying the rosary and yet you're still putting your faith in me, you're giving me your blind faith. That's really what's bringing up everybody else. And we're going to recognize this. We know when we get to the kingdom and we say, did I fight the good fight? We're going to look around and we're going to realize that the people who fought the strongest fight were the ones who we least expected. Why? Because nobody else noticed them because they were small in the eyes of the world, but huge in the eyes of God. That's really where we want to be, where if in the eyes of the world we're being brought down, if in the eyes of the world we're being left alone, if in the eyes of the world we're looked at as the enemy, even though we're doing the mission, then God is noticing us. God already, he's going to decide how great we are, not this world. This is important to remember. This is important to keep in mind because as we're going through, there are going to be times where we feel lonely, where we feel like nobody's paying attention to us, where we feel like we don't matter. And ultimately, as long as we matter to Christ, that's all that matters. More when we come back. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, you know? (laughs) You know, yeah. That's right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this. I just want to call all the people. You know, I've got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money, and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We got to. We have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old, five kids, and I thank you guys. But everybody else, man, get on fire. Fight for the truth, man. I know what I'm telling you guys. There's I so love it. Out there. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says... So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support.
Welcome back to the show, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the clinic. Thank you for being here. Today we're talking about a lot of anxiety that's going on in the world, a lot about what do we do about our social unrest, our political unrest? What do we do when it starts to affect us personally? And do we need treatment? You know, one of the things I always say, of course, as a mental health professional, I say, if you're feeling like you're getting anxious and overwhelmed to the point where you're not functioning, your things aren't making sense, and you can't, you feel like you can't even work, then, you know, definitely go talk to your doctor, talk to your therapist, talk to a friend, talk to somebody, um, because we are all connected. And, and sometimes just by talking to somebody, we feel better. If you feel like you need medication because it's getting overwhelming, then that's okay. You know, talk to your doctor, talk to your psychiatrist and see, is there any medication that might help if you, if you feel like you're not functioning, if you feel like everything that's going on is so overwhelming, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We associate a lot of stigma with that, you know, um, a lot of people are afraid to go because they say, you know, that that's going to mean something about me. But ultimately, we're all we all need help at one point. This is part of our of our humbling ourselves. We all need help at one point um, in terms of we're not here alone on this planet. We're all connected. And Christ reminds us of that. And this is where we really want to look at ourselves spiritually, because what we want to look at is do we need help spiritually? Are we feeling extra tempted? Are we feeling like we are not being so charitable? Is this our spiritual anxiety getting to us? Is our spiritual depression getting to us? Do we need medication there? And the only medication there is Christ. Christ is always going to be the answer. The Eucharist is always going to be the answer. If we can't get to the Eucharist physically, then we need to make sure that we do a spiritual communion. And one of the greatest weapons that we've been talking about, one of the greatest things that we can use is something like the rosary to focus on the life of Christ, meditate on the life of Christ, and desire that unity with Christ. As we do this, we got to remember that sometimes we're going through our spiritual battles, there's going to be a mental battle. It's going to be a mental war where we're going to start to wonder if I'm doing anything, is this a widow's pence that's really not going to contribute much to the building? But then I got to remember Christ elevated her above everybody else in that place. And so as small as something that I might do is, how is it in the eyes of God? How is God seeing me? Because I know how the eyes of men are. I know how we judge each other based on what we consider valuable. But really, I want to be valuable in the eyes of God. And that's, that's the bottom line. That's our objective. If I can humble myself enough to be valuable in the eyes of God, then nothing else matters. If God is for me, who's against me? I want to pray that rosary. I want to unite myself with Christ and then nothing else is going to matter. You know, it's easy to, to say these things, but while somebody's going through a spiritual battle, while somebody's going through spiritual ailments, um, at the end of the day, we've got to remember that Christ is going to be the ultimate medication. Christ is going to be the ultimate solution. So as we look at this, we each have a mission. We're all going to go be on this earth for a purpose, and the purpose is the, whatever God chose for us. God gave us the mission. We're not going to be happy until we align ourselves with God's will. That's ultimately what makes us happy. That's what brings us joy. If we align ourselves with God's will, people are always looking for happiness on this earth and saying, you know, if I had the right car, if I have a bigger house, if I have a bigger paycheck— and there's no doubt that material goods are very comforting and that it is very nice to, to live somewhere comfortable or to drive a comfortable vehicle or to have, you know, money in the bank. That eases us for sure. It's, it's, it's wonderful in terms of making sure that we can navigate as part of our tools that we have here materially. But even Christ, we got to remember what Christ says. Christ tells us, you know, that's not what matters. Don't build your treasure here. He's not saying don't make sure that you, you know, survive here. He's saying just don't make that your treasure. Don't align your heart 
to whatever it is that you're hearing on the news. Don't align your heart to whatever it is that's going on politically, because as human beings, we're going to let each other down. That's not, you know, when we attach ourselves and we say, this person's all good, this person's all bad, I like this person, this person's evil. It's not fair. These aren't fair assessments to make because as human beings, we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses. Where our training comes in is recognizing that and realizing that the only one who's perfect is Christ. When we're being asked to vote or make decisions, we have to start with Christ. I have to put my focus on Christ first. What does God want of me? What mission did God give me here on this earth? How, am I praying to understand my mission better? Am I praying to understand what it is that God's asking of me so I can be great in his eyes? Once I start doing that, once I start that, to have that spiritual mental focus, once I start thinking about I have an eternal soul that I want to present to God and be ready to present to God and be able to say, look at the battles I've been through. Look at these battle wounds that I have on my, on my soul. You know, these are going to be the sins that we've overcome. When we get to heaven, our sins aren't going to be noted as sins. We're not going to have an understanding of evil. We're going to only know that evil. We're going to have a concept of it. We're not, have a, not going to have an understanding of it anymore because every temptation that we were able to overcome, every sin that we were able to make amends for, everything that we were able to turn into good and through the, through the strength of Christ, through the grace that, that God gives us, through using the sacraments he left us, through understanding the tools that he's given us to fight this good fight, as St. Paul says, once we get to heaven, these are going to be jewels. These are going to be, you know, the, the medals of honor that we have. These are going to be what we're going to be recognized for. This is how we're going to be five-star generals. This is how we're going to understand the way God sees us. Because what God's going to see is, what did you give? Did you give of yourself? Did you give of your extra, thinking that you were doing good? Or did you really empty yourself and recognize that without me, there wasn't going to be anything? You know, as you were doing these battles, or you were doing these wounds, or getting these wounds and, and fixing them, um, you know, sometimes you fell, but I was there. And what we're going to recognize is that as we're going through this world, as small as we might feel, God is with us the whole time. If we're battling like St. Paul, if we're battling like St. Peter, if we're battling, as we see now, like Bishop Strickland, as we're battling like uh, Father Vigano, if we're battling like Father Altman, if we're doing all these things and we're, we're preaching the truth and we're taking our battle wounds, when we get to heaven, God is going to recognize that and he's going to say, wow, you deserve to be the general. You're going to lead our armies here. God is still going to give us a mission. We're going we're to have an eternal mission with God. And only he's going to decide what's right and what's wrong. And ultimately, when you look at Christ as a truth, you know, everybody's looking for truth here. You're going to hear different um, objections and political statements and debates and things like that. And everybody's trying to tell you what the truth is and everybody's fact-checking, right? Because they're saying, Oh, well, what is, is what he said true? Is what this person said true? What's the truth? Christ is the truth. And if we're preaching Christ, he's going to be the rock that's unchangeable. One of the things about the truth is that when we come to Christ, when we finally face Christ and when we get to heaven, ultimately what that really is going to be, it's going to be a gigantic examination of conscience. And if we're doing that every night, if we're already examining our conscience every night and placing ourselves before the throne of God every night, then it's not going to be something new. We're going to say, oh, I know this experience. I've come before Christ. I've humbled myself. I've presented my weaknesses, and I've asked him to strengthen me through him, that it's not me, that it's not my strength, that I can do nothing for myself, but it is through Christ that I find my strength. When I know that, when I see that, it changes everything because all of a sudden, it's not about me. It's about the mission. I got to throw some dirt on it, and I got to move forward. You know, we look at this, and we ask ourselves, did I fight the good fight? Did I put God first? 
it's important to remember this, not because all of a sudden I'm going to be great, but because we're only great through Christ. If I can humble myself, if I can look at Christ as a truth, then guess what? Christ is unchanging. If Christ is a truth, if he's the stone that I build my house on, I have to adjust to the truth. The truth doesn't have to adjust to me. So when you hear people say things like, oh, this needs to change, Christ needs to change this, because ultimately what they're saying is they say, oh, the church needs to change their view on this or that. I got to ask myself, well, what's Christ's view? Because Christ left the church. Christ gave us our faith. Christ is the rock against which we have to measure everything. He is the cornerstone. I can't change a cornerstone. I have to build everything around the cornerstone. How can I change myself to be more like Christ? Not how can I change Christ to accommodate my needs? That's the ultimate challenge. That's the ultimate mental challenge. How do I change myself and humble myself and recognize my failings and admit my failures and that I was wrong? And how do I come to confession and acknowledge, Christ, you are the truth. I have not been perfect. Once we can do that, that's where our greatness lies. That's where our sixpence lies. That's where our ultimate, we've, we've reached our goal. That's our objective. So in order to get there, it's very hard. We've got to remember that. Right now, in the midst of unrest, I would say focus on Christ and leave everything to God, and then we don't have to worry. Our mission is to become like Christ. Our training is going to be through the sacraments, through praying the rosary, through reading our scriptures, to understanding what it is like to that God wants what, what it is that God wants of us. The best way to understand that is to look at examples when we read the scriptures. Look at what the apostles did. Look at how Christ led his life. What a better example. Let's read the lives of saints. What happened there? These are our colleagues in Christ, shall we say. As we're all trying to get to sainthood, which is what we are supposed to be doing, when we look at the lives of saints, it's not to worship the saints. It's to say, well, they forged the path. Let me follow that same path. And yeah, look at look at what they experienced. They're going to experience these difficult times. They're going to experience times where people don't believe in them. They're going to experience times where they feel like they're on their own. Am I going to feel that way? Of course, that's going to be to be expected. How do I battle through that? How do I get mentally ready? How do I prepare myself for those moments, for those battles? This is where the prayer comes in. This is where uniting ourselves to Christ comes in. That's where the training, all of a sudden, we see the fruition of that. We see why the training was important. Because once we're facing with these battles, if we haven't trained, we're going to be a wreck. St. Paul was left for dead. He was left for dead. If he hadn't trained for that, if he didn't know that, if his love for Christ wasn't greater than anything else, he would have given up. Who wouldn't have? Because if, boy, if, if me doing this is going to lead me to being stoned and, and put to death, and you know, what's the point? Why should, I, why should I continue? But if I understand that my mission is to unite myself with Christ, if I don't understand the greatness of God and the greatness of Christ, then, then all of a sudden I'm just going to give up that, that battle. I'm not going to understand the value of my soul. If all of a sudden I'm like St. Paul and I'm left for dead and I say, nope, somehow I'm going to, in the midst of all this darkness, in the midst of being thought of as dead, in the midst of being beat up to the point where I couldn't breathe and I have to heal, I have to carry on my battle. I have to do this for Christ. That's where we want to be. If we're not there yet, it's okay. That's what we're working towards. That's what we're practicing for. That's why we're practicing Catholics. But we need to know what to practice. We need to read our Bibles. We need to read our catechisms. You know, when we look at our battle, the enemy, the enemy doesn't rest. The enemy's working 24-7 against us. The enemy's trying to find any way to defeat us, to break us down, to break us apart. And ultimately, when we're strong in Christ, 
Nothing's going to touch us. When our strength comes from God, nothing's going to bring us down. When we understand that I can't do this alone and I need Christ and I need to, need to depend 100% on Christ, that's when we're going to be our happiest. That's when we're going to be our strongest. Remember this as we go through this through the current times of unrest, whenever you're feeling uneasy, ultimately it comes down to, I'm going to unite myself with Christ. That's where I'm going to find my peace. And that's where it's going to be lasting. I've met my objective. Christ is everything. I am nothing. Now I'm happy. Welcome back. Or when we come back next time, we're going to talk about more mental health issues, more spiritual health issues. Put Christ number one in your life. Don't forget what our mission is. Don't forget to train and don't forget to meet our objective. I'm going to see you at our next meeting here, here at the clinic. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.